Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Into the Interchain, hosted by Shade Protocol with Trueflation. Let's take a listen. Hey, everyone. Sorry about that. Welcome, Stefan. How are you? Good, thanks. How about you, given the circumstances? <laughs> uh, we, are, we are doing all right. Uh, luckily, we, we don't really have any exposure um to anything that's going on uh so very very lucky um and and thankful to to be where we're at yeah same um yeah we didn't have well as uh, yeah we didn't have any exposure on ftx nor any on solana for that matter but uh ftt yeah um i do feel i would just was at breakpoint in Lisbon, and I do feel sorry for a lot of developers there. I mean, there was a lot of activity, engagement, excitement around that ecosystem. Yeah. And they're just builders, right? I mean, and they're passionate and committed to building a exciting ecosystem and to be caught up in all of this. Um, yeah. They don't deserve that. Yeah, it's a it's a very shocking happening that I don't think anybody expected for one, and then two to happen again in the same year. Yeah. Um, some things that happened earlier in the year, and so yeah, it's just a very unfair happening to to a lot of people that are involved in this space um, that are, I guess, affected by it. Right? Yeah. It's not unfair for the people that actually committed these things, but. It's unfair for everyone to be as affected as they are. Um, it's it's quite unfortunate. Yeah, and I don't mind leveraging, right? I mean, we all we all learn how to leverage and 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 scale, and and we've been in crypto long enough to see the benefits of that, but also know the consequences on the other side. But if you're abusing mm -hmm. custodian, you know, custody funds that users are giving to you. To me, that is that that's just criminal acting, you know, I mean, that's just bad. The really scary part, in my opinion, too, is the regulatory um, lashback from this it potentially is going to be targeting DeFi, which is so backwards because the whole point of like the reason FTX like, impacted so many people is because it was based off of custodianship, right? Like you're trusting your assets to someone else, they're holding them for you, and you're trusting them not to do things like, hey, we're lending your funds out into high leverage organizations such, such as Alameda. And like the beauty of DeFi is self-custodianship, yep. right? Yep. You don't have to trust someone else to hold your your assets for you, like they're yours, that you, you own your own, your own risk. And so 
the irony is if, if, FTX, if everyone on FTX was instead doing self-custodianship and interacting with DeFi, then none of this happened. Like it, it's purely because of the centralization of, of FTX and the trust that was given to people instead of programs, you know? Uh, and yeah, anyways, I'll, I'll end the rant there, but I'm just, there's, there's going to be all this regulatory fallback and it's just the fact that they're going to be going out after self-custodianship, lumping that into exactly. what happened with FTX is just so, so ludicrous. And our, our industry needs to fight tooth and nail to make the point that FTX is not DeFi. And yeah, and DeFi is already governed to much higher standards than traditional finance, let alone CFI. And bear in mind, all of these CFI operations, FTX is regulated. FTX has licenses in Bahamas, in Hong Kong, in I don't know what other jurisdictions. Alameda, the same. All the individuals working there are licensed financial representatives, right? So they've got their you know, FINMA, FINRA, whatever type of licenses that they need in order to operate level one, level seven. I don't know what all the levels are, but they are all licensed individuals operating within the existing regulatory frameworks. At DeFi or decentralized finance, we are all operating to much higher standards. There is transparency. Everything is logged in the blockchain. It is all got its checks and balances. Anytime anything moves off a wallet, it is monitored by solutions and companies like Chainalysis, Delphi, and individuals like Otteru and all these other individuals that are out there policing the ecosystem. And the code is open sourced. So anybody can go and compile it to verify that it's operating within the guidelines as stipulated on the white paper, in the white paper, or on any other sites. You know, so I think those are the arguments we need to continuously reinforce, educate, and use the influencers in the ecosystem and spaces like this to promote that and, and highlight and emphasize that. A hundred percent. And what a what a fiery, fiery start to uh, <laughs> the Twitter, the Twitter space today. And I, I know the one one topic that goes along with the custodianship conversation is is the centralization conversation and there's nothing more centralized than the u.s dollar so you know today and i think i think dalton has the the questions for today's space but really excited to dive in uh, like how how the three should be viewing dollar stable coins versus flat coins and, and what you believe the future probably will be today. But without further ado, I'll, I'll hand it back to, to Dalton here and, and Fisco to, to guide the conversation. Yeah, you were, you cut out a little bit for me, um, but I think, I think we're good to go. Correct. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Ball awesome. in your court. <laughs> okay. So the first question that I have for you, Stefan, more so targeted towards you is, is can you walk us through the history of Trueflation slash Nuon and, and how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, no, thanks. Um, yeah, great to be here and great to kick this off. So thank you. Um, how did I get here and, and where did we land? I mean, 
in 2020, you know, when the government shut, I was the CEO of Bitcoin.com and we were building out peer-to-peer electronic cash um, and as a payments mechanism, trying to grow velocity. And we were doing that predominantly with Bitcoin cash as the currency. Um, we also supported Bitcoin and Ethereum as well. We grew a wallet to 20 million users um, and had... Um, which was in the form of a mobile app and then had some 500,000 physical and digital merchants combined supporting um, payments with the three currencies that we had. We built out a map. We built out other capabilities to drive velocity associated with those currencies. But when the government started printing money like crazy, I felt we needed to do more to bring governance on chain and enable that. And I didn't believe the arguments around inflation. There's no inflation. It's only transitory. Um, MMT will come to the savior. All of those arguments didn't quite resonate. And it was not what we were experiencing in real time. Um, That was further, you know, sort of that, that thought concept with Balaji's blog post was just, you know, was amplified, right? And so, okay, there's something here. And we then decided to build with Terra still out there, stable coins were in big opportunity. Um, and could we build an inflation protected stable coin or a flat coin or what sort of some people actually call a synthetic asset pegged to the cost of living? And what would that look like? How would we build that? Um, We launched Truflation first. Um, We figured that um, getting and sourcing and calculating the cost of living in more accurate, independent, and verifiable terms was an important objective for any economy. Um, And so we set out to do that. Today, we now track data and price information from 50 plus different sources. And we track 18 million items on a daily basis um, and the price changes of that. And we put that on chain and it's freely available for anybody to view in a dashboard on truflation.com. And that is the foundation of Nuon, which is a flat coin concept, which is pegging a synthetic asset, a perpetual, if you will, tied to uh, that cost of living, which is calculated by Truflation. So you've, you've talked about, you know, you know, proper uh, synthetic asset that tracks the cost of living. You must have a very strong stance yeah. on how inflation is currently measured. So walk us through some of the pitfalls yeah. <laughs> in the current measurement system, kind of like just like 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 let's fully expose yeah. that, and then let's talk about how Truflation yep. measures it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at how the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, which is the government entity that is responsible for calculating inflation, they are calculating inflation based on a framework that was defined over a century ago, pre-computers, pre-internet, et cetera. Um, In addition to which, they are still actually calculating it with 477 people that go to grocery stores and look at the items on a shelf 
and put that down into a um, iPad and then that then gets submitted. That's their digital model of doing that. I'm sure they do more than that and, and maybe I'm you know, twisting that a little bit, but in essence, that was sort of all the research that we've done sort of shows that they're still taking a very analog model um, to calculating inflation. On top of which, they track only 60,000 items. They do panel surveys to a set of households versus using census-based data. And so we felt we could, that is significantly flawed and needs a lot of improvement. And we can do that. And, you know, as a community, we can build something that allows everybody to participate in how we track and monitor uh, inflation or true inflation. So Nuon is tracking something around 300 times more, more individual items than, than traditional inflation metrics, if, if that yep. rough math is right. That is true. And not only that, we also track it on a daily basis. So we don't need to wait once a month to come out and then report what inflation is. You can go every single day and see on the dashboard how inflation has moved from yesterday to today over one year ago versus 60 days that the government uses to track it. They, they report it every 30 days with a 30-day time lag. So, you know, we're 60 times faster if you look at it from that perspective, on top of the 300 times more richer, more rich, sorry. Unreal. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that I'd, I'd like to, how does, how does Nuon exactly interface with the, the true inflation data and exactly reflect that? And do you, are you pulling all of the 18 million data points and directly then pegging all of those data points to, to Nuon? Or could you describe a little bit more the relationship there? Yeah, I mean, so Nuon, uh, uh, Truflation acts as sort of, if you will, the price oracle for um, Nuon in the sense that as of July 1, 2022, there was a timestamp um, that's the one-to-one -one peg of U.S. dollar to um, a nuon. And from there on in, it's U.S. dollar plus or minus truflation. So if we go into a deflationary environment, you know, the nuon will drop in con contrast to the U.S. dollar. And in an inflationary environment, it will, if you want to convert it to a U.S. dollar, you can... Um, convert it, um, it is going to be higher in an inflationary environment to the U.S. dollar. You need more U.S. dollars to buy a new one. Um, that is the principle. You, um, the, it is collateralized, so the new one will be over collateralized to adjust and account for volatility. It is crypto which is being used as the collateral at the moment. At the moment, it's Bitcoin, ETH, and, and, and Tether uh, on Testnet. And we're looking at adding you know, other tokens into there. Um, Chainlink, Avalanche, um, Solana have been some of the few that we've been looking at adding as collateral um, to the... Uh, new ones out there. You can then use that collateral to mint a new one and the minting price or the redemption price is the 
um, peg price, and the peg price is US dollar to plus inflation or trueflation. Interesting, interesting. All right, yeah, thanks for describing that relationship a little bit more. So this is maybe skipping to a question that would typically get asked at the end of a space like this, but you just went on and described a inflation tracking mechanism that's seemingly better than what what's currently used as as United States standard and a token that directly tracks that. What do you see as the future for Nuon and the future for Trueflation? Or where do you want to go from here with those? I mean, good, good question. I mean, at the moment, we just wanted to start there um, and see and allow people the option to hedge themselves against inflation, number one. Number two is we've been talking to a number of financial institutions as well as small, medium businesses, as well as financial product developers. I don't know a better name for them, um, but these are sort of quants that sit there and, and calculate financial products and indexes. And they love, number one, they love what Trueflation is doing and the fact that there is a source of truth for real world asset pricing. Um, we've now, Trueflation has gone beyond just sort of calculating inflation as a result of seeing all the inflation metrics, we're seeing a lot of dependencies that are associated with um, the, you know, that act as the orig you know, origination of inflation. And that can be commodity pricing from metals to oil. Uh, that can be, um, you know, weather information as it relates to you know sunny weather means crops do well if bad weather means crops do bad means there's less supply in the market means price goes up and so we've begun to add in addition to just sort of the inflation metrics and the 18 million items that we track there to begin to add commodity pricing to add precious metal pricing to add um weather information and so as we add those elements in there these financial product developers are looking and seeing oh how can we build perpetuals associated with that price information and where can we go and list those and exchange those make sure there's liquidity associated with those so in essence you then have a perpetual tied to the price of coffee, tied to the price of um, uh, sugar, wheat, um, aluminum, whatever else you can imagine. That number one. Number two is then industry verticals suffer a set of inflation. And what we're trying to do is build out um, personal inflation calculators. So we'll be launching a, a, a personalized inflation calculator where you and I and, 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 and Carter and, and Brennan or whoever else wants to build a calculator it has different inflation targeted at you individually. If that's the case, how do we calculate what inflation is to me? What do I need to do to hedge myself against my inflation, your inflation? And then what products are there out there 
that can meet that need. And these financial product developers want to create products for you and me, but also by industry vertical. If you're in the automotive industry, you have a different inflation, et cetera. That's wild. The, the amount of flexibility and financialization of, of, of representations of, of risk and inflation and giving businesses the opportunity to hedge against hedge against all these things is just there's so much value to be had there. Of course, like liquidity becomes somewhat yeah. of a problem with all those things. Um, yeah. So I have I actually have a I have a different different question. So I, I like to say like key, you know, key who controls the the printing of money is, you know, the one that controls so much in the world, right? Like that, that's when I, when I view like 1900 through like 2020, we'll say, I think that that's, that's the story probably older than that, much older than that. But I think we're going to see a shift towards he who controls the inputs into Oracle's technically controls the currency. That's kind of maybe a more web three version of, of, centralized printing is who who owns the data feeds right who who who's the source of truth on on those things because those inform all these different synthetic pegs one day so what's the security model around oracle and how do you ensure the integrity of of the information yeah so we're looking to I mean, we got the we got the model up really fast, right? I mean, for us, it was get out there really quick um, and see if there was a product market fit. We started off with really just tracking and replicating in a digital form what the BLS was doing, and in order to do it really quick, we just used maybe not the best programming language. We built a centralized database and, and got that going. And um, the product market, the reaction from the market was really strong that we didn't quite anticipate that, but it was a great sign that, you know, people like what we're doing. And so how do we build this out and how do we ensure that data in is accurate and we're transparent and how we're bringing that data in and we're decentralizing the storage of that. Um, and yeah, we have since rewritten the code. We have updated the database structure. We have um, multiple sources for each of the 18 million items that we aggregate. And we disclose all the sources that we aggregate the price information from. We are right now in the process also together with um, uh, one of our partners, decentralizing the database in terms of where and how we pull that data in and store that at multiple nodes across a decentralized network. We're also trying to build out um, a sort of, if you will, optimistic roll-up where we can actually have people dispute and query the data that gets uploaded and enable anybody to want that can upload data, provide their data into the mix and have uh, algorithms that then verify and qualify that. That is not ready today. We need to work towards making that available. And we are heavily and really focused on making sure that we can do that over the course of the next 12, you know, 6, 12, 18 months. 
That's awesome. I mean, I think that, you know, the time horizons on, on these protocols for, for the people that have this long-term vision, it's like, you know, take your time. If it takes a decade to get it done right, then like it takes a decade. And like that, think about the net result of having data readily available globally that accurately tracks the cost of living, the cost of commodities, and knowing that that data has integrity and that there is an entire system of checks and balances to ensure that the data is not only decentralized, but that the sources of inputs and, and cross-checking are decentralized. So that's awesome to hear that you have that vision. I look forward to seeing where Nuon and Truflation is a decade from now. No, thank you. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's been getting... So one, the vision that we have is how do we liquidify data? And at the moment, if you look at data, data was really originated, particularly financial data and economic data originated maybe in the 1950s with like the founding of, of Thomson Reuters or what is today Thomson Reuters. And other than maybe Bloomberg coming to market where they just wrap it in a, a hardware unit and give you a funky, cool keyboard with some cool um, you know, tabs on the keyboard. There hasn't been much innovation in terms of making it available to anybody interested in providing, you know, insights into economy and insights into financial um, um, products associated with that data. How can we make that available to the developer community that is really creative? And how can we put that on chain so that it becomes transparent and available to anybody? And I think you addressed it. One of the biggest hurdles is how do we work together to provide liquidity to these products? I don't know that yet. And that is one of the biggest challenges I think we have going forward is ensuring liquidity in there, especially now. L liquidity is all, always an issue that every team we talk to is trying to solve. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing what solutions you guys put forward. And I think this this kind of interconnected nature of of Cosmos ecosystems, IBC, Interchain, um, both with liquidity of information, liquidity of education, liquidity of finances, is something that we're really working to build at Shed Protocol. You guys are working to build at Trueflation and Nuon, and has just really been growing in the Cosmos ecosystem in general. I think it's exciting to see the the development of all of the different versions of liquidity um, come together in the cosmos. On the, on the liquidity of education side of things, uh, how important have you seen education be for your users? I know, similarly to us, you guys have a complicated product, and it's definitely more of a quote-unquote power user type of, type of knowledge base to, to get involved with Nuon and Truflation. How important have you seen education to be for your own team? And what's kind of like your ideal state for education within the Cosmos ecosystem in general for lowering the barrier to entry for general adoption? I would, I would broaden it out to, to Web3 and Ethereum too. So, Yeah, I mean, education is, is key, right? Um, and I think it is more, as you pointed out, you know, Fisco, it, it, it is, it is a, a definitely a power user type product at the beginning. Um, education is an investment. It, it's hard to simplify the complexities that we're working on. Um, and 
it's I mean, in your way it's a full-time gig how do you invest in it and one what we've tried to do is simplify it as much as possible and create videos um people watch videos a lot and i also feel that we have in our industry and this comes back to what we started off even as we got into the conversation right the benefits and highlights of decentralized finance versus centralized finance and there's a clear distinction between the two we as an industry and we need to work with these influencers in our industry that have 80,000 100,000 dedicated followers and sorry you know 100 I mean, up to millions right you got and even if we don't like their opinion necessarily they play a big role in on-ramping a lot of users into crypto how can we highlight and work with those individuals to provide them material to get them to understand the benefits, the need, and the necessity of decentralized finance, stable coins, Oracle services, and educate their users in terms of, or their audience, in terms of what we're working on. Um, and ultimately, you need to go down a rabbit hole somewhere at some point and crypto is so vast today it's it's how across the broadness of web3 um what and where you know how do we start and then how do we get filter out the people that are interested in the cosmos ecosystem what's different about that versus another ecosystem and why is the community in Cosmos here for the longer run? Why are they more committed to Web3 versus maybe other exchanges or in, in industry players? Who is committed to this industry and really going to be around for the next decade and really try to make it have an impact? And how do I qualify that? And that is an investment in transparency, in yeah, in educa yeah, education that we need to make, how much do we take on our own shoulders and how much do we want um, professional educators to take on and, and then, then ease, what do influencers take on? I think it's a big juggle across those three spectrums. One thing I've always found is when you put something into the hands of, of people like that, that's when it makes the most sense, right? Like Venmo, people use Venmo. It just makes sense. It's, it's solving yeah. Yeah. a pressing issue in their everyday lives. They can see it. They can, they can touch the buttons and they feel good about it. And, you know, crypto right now kind of exists in its own little digital bubble that doesn't, that hasn't fully crossed back over to everyday commerce. So I'll posit two questions for you. Why do you think crypto hasn't fully integrated into Web two in our everyday lives in terms of commerce? And what are the like in your in your opinion with Nuon? What what is your protocol and team doing to help you know make that happen? I blame mass media for one step. I blame you know regulatory framework another, um, and 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 just trust um, is is maybe the latter the last element. Um, we see, I mean, I, I spent a large portion of, of my career growing crypto or web three or, or, or tokens as a means for payments, growing it to 500,000 payments, working with P 
POS systems, point of sale systems, not proof of stake systems, point of sale systems, as well as online payment solution providers to enable that, um, as well as having a wallet to enable fast finality with a transaction at a point of sale. And in fact, as a merchant, I don't understand why you wouldn't take a cryptocurrency as a source of payment. Finality is, you know, you, you settle right away. You don't need to wait 30 days in settlement. You don't pay a 5% fee. You may pay a small gas fee, uh, dep- depending on the network that you're on. But other than that, you can accept cryptocurrencies and you can then immediately um, put it somewhere else. I think the volatility in crypto has been another source of uncertainty, right? Um, as a merchant, I don't, I'm not a financial engineer. I just want my money in, money out. I don't want to have to hedge myself and understand how to do financial uh, engineering. But what, yeah, and so I think those are elements that volatility and then mass media, FUD, FUD has not helped us at all, right? That's why it slowed us down. I mean, it's such a loaded question, but there's so much in there as to why we haven't seen payment get adopted. Um, a, a cryptocurrency hasn't been adopted as a payment mechanism. I think your, your earlier answer to my initial question really kind of helps put a little bit of light on that, but that the that speaks so much to the transparency issue, which we've really, wow, really seen in the last week here of when these things come out and there's a lack of transparency, then the FUD ramps up, the the media ramps up, jumps on that, then it gets more regulated, then it creates more issues for us in the industry that really are frameworking out and building out things that should be very easy and straightforward for businesses to adopt and make sense for businesses to adopt, make sense for web two and kind of mainstream consumer, um, like the uh, market to, to adopt there. But when there's very large teams that have demonstrated clear lack of transparency along with, along with just kind of dangerous practices, then that really does kind of stand the rest of the industry as a well. whole. Why do you, just out of curiosity, why, I mean, and maybe to the broader community listening in here as well, is why, given that we've been around since, you know, 2008, 2009, we've gone through multiple different cycles. Um, and every time when we're in an up market, mass media is super pro crypto. And then when we're in a down market, it's immediately dump crypto, it's over, it's dead, it's gone, right? Again and again, that same message comes each time. And we're seeing today, you know, crypto's dead, it's over. You know, I think there was an article in, the, in, in Europe, the other, in the UK, somebody saying, oh, crypto's over. We all knew it was a scam. It's now proven it's a scam. Why have they not come around to support the fact that there is a difference between CFI and DeFi, and there must be individuals at these, at CNN, at CNBC, at Fox, at BBC, at, at you name it, there must be individuals there that understand that difference. I just can't believe that there's nobody there that is willing to go out and say, there's a big difference between this. These are the good actors. These are the bad actors. Why don't they do that? I mean, what's the message is just so simplistic 
and so always the same. It's a it's a good point. I mean, I, I part of me feels like I, I also don't blame blame folks in the sense that so much of crypto has been a vehicle for speculation. Like if we're, if we're being, if we're being brutally honest, like what percentage of this industry since 2008 has been purely as vehicles of speculation. Right. And it's such, it's such a large percentage. And so because there's so much demand for that specific component of this industry, then inevitably that's where the resourcing goes towards. Right. And that's where your centralized exchanges pop up. It's where your ICOs pop up. Um, that's where a huge percentage of the demand for crypto has been is on speculation with like minimal friction. And I think it's so sad because I think, I think the net result is there has been a subset of builders that have peered beyond the veil and see what this, you know, what can actually be accomplished if we're able to digitize this information in a, in a transparent way or in a private way, right? For those of us that really, really value the privacy side of things and like what that can actually unlock in everyday folks like lives, like it's there, the path for it is there, but the world, every step of the way that hasn't been where the focus has been since like since day one with Bitcoin, in, in my opinion, in terms of media and in, in terms of community members too, it wasn't, you know, how can I get, how can I pick, how can I use Bitcoin like just Bitcoin in my everyday life to live and, and be sustained. It's always been, what's the price of Bitcoin? What's the price of ETH? What's, yeah, the, price of, what's the price of that? And so I think we've, and, and part of it is because like, we're trying to revolutionize the finance sector, right? And, and that's like, so it's always been about, it's always been about money. And I think that's like unfortunate because there's, there's much deeper ethics and opportunities here beyond just speculation. And I think character is a word that doesn't get talked about much in our industry. Like yeah. the character of leadership, the character yeah. of the builders behind these protocols. And unfortunately, when there's a lot of money at play, it's, there's going to be people with certain types of character that get sucked into the industry that are, are going to be extremely greedy, extremely focused on their own self-interest as opposed to the, the true and beautiful vision of Web3 that does exist. But man, more and more do you have to dig to find those real people. Um, anyways, those are some of my thoughts. Yeah. Um, and that's why sort of there's always a big difference between the traders and the builders, right? I mean, there's definitely, yeah, a different attitude. But I think also we as builders... Um, have seen, you know, the opportunity that building in this space has, the financial opportunity that building in this space has offered us in the, you know, we can, you can be an entrepreneur and, and work with a community if you can, we're only as good as the community. And if the community changes their view and perspective on what we're doing, it's so hard to fix that. In fact, if you can even fix that. Um, and, and so coming back to, I think, one of the original questions around education is how do we work with the community, not only to educate them on how to use the product, but also to educate them, to educate their peers. And when you get sort of word of mouth, 
um, as a source of education versus just, oh, ape into this one and buy this token. But, oh, this is how this works. That's why this is so valuable. This is what you can do with that. Those elements are, are real use cases and scaling those use cases and that education and building that trust with a community is what some of the chains have done and, and what we're doing when we yeah work with some of the core chains. And, and I think a lot of what we're doing is extending those and, yeah, and, and building, re- yeah, trust and, 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 and loyalty and, and understanding around those chains with what we're doing on those chains. I don't know if that makes sense, but, yeah. I think that my, my last comment, and I'll let Fisco probably take it from here, close things out, AMA, we'll do that, um, is the beauty of blockchain has always been about the attributes that it provides, right? Transparency, permissionless participation, yeah. censorship resistant, immutability. And I think the hard part about attributes is people don't feel and understand the value of those attributes until they've been violated by the inverse principle. And so self-custodianship. People don't understand the value of self-custodianship until they've seen the value of self-custodianship by, by having a custodian violate that trust that exists. And I think, I think like if we want to educate our industry, we want to continue to move the cause of Web3 forward, the conversation needs to relentlessly go back to these attributes and why they're so valuable. And we can point to examples of centralized finance violating these attributes. And we get to say, if you build here, if you use these products here, and if we can get these integrated into everyday lives, those attributes won't be violated. That's the promise. That's always what the promise has been. And that's the promise that I feel like we always have to return to. And you know, from our end, of course, the attribute that we're really pushing for is, is privacy and, and sovereignty. But that's a, a story for another time. So I'll, I'll hand it back to, to Fisco here to to uh, continue on that was my my last comment but yeah no that was beautifully beautifully said carter i definitely think a lot of those attributes don't hit a point where they're going to begin to be widely adopted or widely valued until exactly what you said the inverse of them is found to be true especially when just in general communities and people have a general mistrust for for new things and things that change the kind of paradigms that they're used to operating inside of. So I think that the community piece is huge. The time thing is huge as, as people learn and experience um, those are those inverse uh, truths. People will start to adopt them. That's something I've been super appreciative of the shade community. And Stefan, I'm sure the, the nuance and trueflation community as well, just coming alongside new members in the space, new people interested in our projects being able to hop on spaces like this and have these conversations supported by our community that can start to instill those values within, within our own community, instill them outside in their own communities and just kind of help to help to um, disperse those ideas, those values. So definitely community has been for us. We've seen such a huge aspect to education uh, it's one thing to make to make videos and do write ups, but if no one reads them and no one else 
helps distribute them. Um, it really, it really doesn't, doesn't hit home. So I think coming towards the end here, is there anything last you want to touch on? If not, I would pass it for maybe five to 10 minutes to the community and we can do a quick AMA and just bring up a couple people here if they're interested in asking questions. Yeah, sure. Perfect. Um, yeah. So anyone in the community here and let's listen in, if you have a question or want to come up quick and, and speak, we can bring you up. We'll do about five minutes of that and then some closing remarks and we'll call it good for this Twitter space. Feel free to request to speak or raise a hand and I can, I can bring you guys up. If not, while we're waiting here, Stefan, if you could tell us how users can get access to Truflation data, how users can mint Nuon, and how they can join and participate in your community, I think that would be great to, great to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, go to Trueflation.com. I mean, the spelling's up there. We're on Twitter. We're on Telegram. Um, and you can see the dashboard there. We're opening up a, a marketplace where developers can search and query for a oracle service or a data pricing information um, and have that available across four or five different chains and for nuon you can go to nuon.fi n-u-o-n.fi and start playing around it's live today you know um on testnet uh, you get free money so you can simulate what it could look like and experience. We've had a thousand users already sort of give us a lot of feedback around UX improvements. And so the team have taken those improvements in. And so before we go live on mainnet, we are um, rejigging the front end to reflect a lot of the feedback that we've been getting from those users and still are doing so. Um, yeah, so. That's where you can find out more about what we're doing and, yeah, educate people on what inflation really is. I think that's really one thing that um, we need to do. I think a lot of people still see $1 is $1. At the end of the year, I still have $1. How do we educate people that actually that $1 is still the same dollar, but it only gets you 75% of the coffee that you wanted to buy? Um, or the gas you needed to use to fill up the car, et cetera. Awesome. Well, I'm not, I'm not seeing any, any raised hands here. So I think we can, we can call this the Twitter space with Nuon for the day. But Stefan, thank you for hopping on. We really appreciate your time. Again, if you're interested in Trueflation, you can follow them at Trueflation. You can also find Nuon at Nuon Finance. And then, of course, Shade Protocol, the hosts, follow us on Twitter. And for everybody in our community, we do have the Discord community space following this at noon if you're interested in hopping on. And one thing I'll say to Stefan, um, when Nuance fully rocking and rolling and where you feel good about its, its liquidity on its own localized chain, we would really love to have Nuance beyond the stable swap that we're, we're launching. We're really trying to make it a center point for global currencies and for these interesting flat coin synthetic stable coin experiments and of course silk is is also part of this what i would call you know fourth generation late game stable coins that are are doing more than just pegging to existing monetary systems
And I will take you up on that. <laughs> uh, no, I really like what you're doing at Silk. I think Silk is equally an essential new form of stablecoin. And yeah, and, and, and excited to support Silk in any way I possibly can, both personally as well as with Nuance. Hey, I also I also lied here at the end. It looks like uh, adults just invited two last people up. If we if we want to run through those questions real quick, if you're willing, Stefan. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, Chris. I'll start with you. If you want to present your question, you can unmute. You're good to go. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, my question is around your Silk stablecoin. So, from what I understand, um, it is backed by a basket of like volatile assets, right? So how do you how do you maintain the stability of that? And for the second question is uh so the peg is maintained by a basket of global currencies. Wouldn't it be simpler just to peg it to the US dollar because every other currency inflates more than the dollar? Sure, good question. So we'll start with the composition piece. So Silk actually includes other hard assets in terms of what it's tracking. Um, it actually tracks gold and Bitcoin as well. We're going to be having new information coming out about kind of the finalized version of Silk's composition. And so 25% of Silk's peg is actually tracking a split between uh, gold and Bitcoin, heavily biased towards gold in that equation. So your hard assets can contribute to offsetting those types of. Uh, inflation. And then the reason you would want more than just the dollar in like what you're tracking is is volatility. If you think about it, the dollar has its own version of volatility with how it trades against other global currencies. And so by aiming to have a currency that has a minimal amount of volatility, we're trying to make Silk an interoperability hub between all their global currencies. So essentially an, an index with, with less volatility is the goal. So that speaks to the composition. In terms of what's backing it, it's a whole system of over collateralization of crypto crypto assets. So if you're familiar with the likes of of MakerDAO, you put something to the effect of let's say 150% of of like collateral up, and if you if the collateral backing the stablecoin that's been minted out drops like hits a certain point, then there's a system of liquidations that occur to pull the stablecoin off the market and to burn it in order to bring supply and demand into essentially an, an equilibrium. Um, and so the only difference from Shade Protocol to something like MakerDAO is when the rate at which things are getting minted out and burned at are in relation to that synthetic peg that's tracking that basket. So I'd be happy to forward some more, more resources to you after uh, the Twitter space. I'm actually gonna send you a DM right now, but great question. Um, just to follow up on that, Carter, so some of the issues with MakerDAO is that when you like over collateralize something, it's it's hard to scale it up, right? So how do you how do you work around that? Absolutely. So totally agree. It's less capital efficient because when you have to put up more collateral that is required than than what you're targeting, it, it's it's hard to scale that system, even though it's super safe. Um, the answer to that is eventually what we're what we're aiming to do is to have vaults where people could essentially deposit, let's say dollars, euros, yens, synthetic gold, et cetera, into a vault and be able to mint out silk. 
And then people would be able to redeem silk for an, um, essentially an equal, equal parts from all those different vaults. So the idea would be you burn one silk and then you receive, you know, 25% gold, 5% uh, dollar, let's say 10% euro, yada, 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 throughout the entire, the entire split. So if we're able to eventually reach that state, then it's, it's, it's closer to the idea of depositing quote unquote, a dollar worth of value and minting out a dollar worth on the other end. But um, it, it's, it's more complex than the PSM modules that exist with dollar stable coins because you have to have a whole basket of assets that actually mirror what Silk is tracking. So we actually, we have to stick with the over collateralized model until there's actually dollar, euros, yens, gold, like actually represented in a, in a crypto form. So we'll be, we'll be capitally inefficient until there's sufficient liquidity for the representations of Silk. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I would love if you could yeah, send me additional research. For sure, for sure. Be sure to join the community as well. We'd love to see in the Telegram and Discord. We have lots of awesome at-length conversations. So Definitely, I'll check it out. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Melch, I'll let you, I'll let you go here. Going to be honest, I was a little bit surprised you didn't have a question like five minutes ago. So glad to see you up here. I know. I was going to say, thanks for uh, not making me break my streak of having a question for you guys every time. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, mine's for Stefan. I'm, I'm really curious. I, the trueflation part opened my eyes to a lot of what you uh, explained around the education side. I'm, I'm curious what your current hurdle is with the Nuon Flatcoin. Um, if you had a, a, any depths into like what the current hurdle is, since obviously being in the shade world where silk is silk is everything. So I was curious what your current hurdle is and game plan is around the Nuon Flatcoin. Um, I suppose like the question that Chris just asked, right, it, it's over collateralization. I think in this market, given what's happened around Terra. I think silk, and, and especially we did, I don't know about silk, but we had to pivot significantly. And there is a lot of also equally so, there's a lot of pressure on regulation, right? And so number one is we need collateral. We need to reward people that are providing that collateral to the extent that we're making up for inflation on the same time as well as just rewarding them for providing that collateral um, on top of, for the risk on top of inflation. Um, that has been a challenge for us, particularly in the earlier days where you don't necessarily have a large amount of fees generated by the protocol to be able to reward those. So how do you do that at the earlier stages as you grow the ecosystem and uh, uh, um, and so we've taken the angle around providing new mint as a reward um, and looking for other alternatives that we'll be announcing shortly. Um, that's been one hurdle. Regulatory, given what's happened in with Terra on the one hand with UST, then you've just had the FTX blow up. You know, and then you have Kevin O'Leary going out there saying, oh, stablecoin, I'm going to make sure stablecoin gets regulated. Um, 
I don't know why, because of FTX, stablecoin all of a sudden is on top of his agenda and not actually decentralized exchanges. Um, but he's going out there and saying that. Um, and I think our angle there has been to look at the regulation in terms of two types of approaches as they relate to stablecoin. One is this whole, um, I think they call it exogenous, ex, 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 oh man, it's a lawyer word, so bear with me here. <laughs> exactly, exogenous and indigenous um, uh, collateral. And I think we're all focusing on the exogenous collateral and using that approach as staying clean and clear of having our own token as the collateral, which is what happened to FTX and, and Alameda Research, right? Where they use the FTT token largely as the collateral, which was their own token. Um, and that's also what happened to Terra and UST. So I think if we stay within those frameworks, I think we're um, addressing um, that issue as well. Awesome. Well, we're right, we're right at the end of this, of this space here, team. So I'm going to wrap it up. Melch and Chris, I appreciate your, your questions again, Stefan. Appreciate you, you hopping in here. Last, last uh, chance to, to put this forward. So again, if you want to hop on our community discord, that's going to be right after this following at noon. And again, follow Trueflation, follow at Nuon Finance. And if you're not follow at Shade Protocol, we appreciate you all hopping on. Again, thanks, thanks for being here, Trueflation team. See you guys. Thank you very much. And thanks, everybody, for your time. And yeah, follow us at the said site. Thanks, everybody. Happy building. Stay safe yeah. out there. Stay safe out there. Say that again. Yeah. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Into the Interchain with Shade Protocol and Trueflation. Recorded on Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now with Spark IBC enabled. When I'm cruising, I'm rushing, no booze on my tongue When I'm losing my cool like a bruiser in London The rules are confusing, so let loose the juices And try not to act like they tightened up the noose These fools are abused like a problem stepchild Ruling the coop with some modest exile I'm lost in the cube with the softest textiles A comfy padded room where I'm walking my best smiles So wipe the smirk off your face when you're serving I'm up with a platter of bait behind the curtain Up with the curse, it's absurd to swerve it Letting these nerds know the weight was worth it. I'll perk it up while I serve some bullshit. This ain't my first rodeo surrounded by humans. Opinionated merchants trying to steal your worth. It's getting on my nerves, so let's make them feel nervous. Tit for tat when I'm spitting this rap shit Getting sick with it like I'm kissing bats It spreading sickness like a fucking pandemic Gun to my head like write the damn epic My mood is exhumed from the darkest mistakes Sitting down in hell cooking up these mixtapes Living through nightmares and dreamscapes It takes more patience than a hospital police state So lock it down locked and loaded like they come for your guns Fuck no we won't be getting onto that bus Quietly sit back and watch the riot beat While the cops get filmed pirating all your
privacy Sign on the dotted line and wave your rights and wave goodbye and pay no mind You gotta wash the brain and erase the time Now shut the fuck up while we wait in line Terrible spaces. <laughs>